All right, good morning. If you're in here, go ahead and stand up with us. We're going to begin worship today. Start off with a song here in the beginning, a song exhorting us to rejoice. We have a lot to rejoice for, to rejoice about. Thank you for your mercies 
that are new every morning, God. Thank you that we can gather here this morning and rejoice, God, in your name, God, in your, your fame. And so we, God, we ask this morning that our hearts would be postured towards you, God, that we would be here, God, to be um, reconciled back to you, God, that we would, we would look to you as our Savior, as our King, God, as we worship together this morning through singing, through praying, God, through giving, um, and through your word. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Legacy. How are you guys? Good? Yeah, okay. I saw a few nods. Like, it's all right. It's all right. It's been raining for like a solid two weeks, right? I just mowed my grass for the first time in like 10 days, and it was brutal yesterday. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Legacy Church. Uh, it's good to see you. Good to meet you. If I haven't already, I'd love to later. Um, if it's your first time today, um, there are some cards around you, some Guest Connect cards that we'd love for you to fill out, kind of introduce yourself to us. Um, so we can get to know you and how to serve you um, as a church. So this morning, before we get started, I'd love it if you guys just jump across the aisle, say hi and good morning to someone. Um, I won't make you do anything awkward like hug each other. But if you want to hug somebody, hug somebody. If you don't, that's fine too. Just get that arm in there. So go ahead. Y'all say hi. find you a nice, comfortable, plush plastic chair. Morning, Dean. What's up, man? Good to see you, bud. Glad you guys are here. Go ahead and have a seat. These chairs are super legit for one thing. They're cold when you sit down. So they, if, you're, if you're a hot person like me, if you're hot-natured, you like sitting in those cold plastic chairs. Um, but they are not the most comfortable chairs. So um, welcome to Legacy again. If you're in the foyer and you can hear my voice, we're getting started this morning. Um, I'm super excited to get to be with you guys again this week. I was here last week. Luke uh, Thomas, our, our lead pastor, lead teaching pastor, is in Texas um, on a uh, support raising trip. And so he will be back next week. And he misses all of you deeply. So um, be praying for him, for his tra safe travel home. He's coming back this next week. Um, at the end of the week, and we'll be here Sunday morning. This morning, um, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about. Um, gen or we're going to be in Genesis 17, talking about the covenant of Abraham. Um, I remember in in 2008 being at my lowest point in my life. I remember um, some of you know my story and my and, and, and my wife's um, testimony. But I had I had abandoned my family for another woman. I had left our marriage, exited that marriage and um, began pursuing a relationship with another woman. And so I was at my lowest, battling, battling addiction with alcohol, battling pornography addictions. I was at my, just my lowest point in my life. And, and, and then I remember this radical breakthrough. I remember, I remember Brandy being, being in a group of women that began praying for me, praying for her, praying for our marriage. Um, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and then I found myself 
fast forward a little bit of time, I found myself in the middle of just a radical transformation. I remember being, I remember being in church with her. I started, started attending the church she was a part of. And I remember being moved during worship, and I, and I came down front. I was raised Baptist, so I came down front, right, and I found the pastor, and I began to, to pray with him and, 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 and re-invite Jesus into my heart. And I remember just that, that moment, right, that moment in the seat. And some of us have shared moments like that. Some of us have had those moments where we've, where we've just felt the call and the radical transformation take place in our life. But then what happened for me was I began to do things to earn favor. Right? I began to, I remember I began just to, just to not, not pray, not seek any kind of biblical counsel or anything, but in my own mind, in my own heart, think, okay, what can I do to make this better? My wife virtually is, is, is I'm thankfully is with me again, has is, is, is invited me back, has shown me grace, but what can I do to earn her favor and ultimately earn God's favor? I even went on staff, just transparent, I went on staff at a church to earn God's favor. I thought, man, if I could just get around some Christians, right, if I could just work for some Christians, I'll be good, right? Some of you might be like, that's not right. It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't okay, but I remember just trying to do things to earn God's favor. I remember trying to have a list of things I was trying to do. If I read this book, if I go to this counselor, if I do this, God will save me. So my question for us this morning is, do we need to keep doing or is it really done? Do we need to keep working? Do we need to keep doing things so God will love us? Do we need to keep earning God's favor or have we already earned it? Because what happens when we look at the cross and the, in the, in the, in the crucifixion of Christ, that ultimately is the great exchange. That's where your sin, right, is squashed by, by Jesus' death. It's taken, he takes, the, he takes your sin he takes, he takes all of that on himself, the wrath of God, and the great exchange is complete and takes place. And that's what ultimately is the basis of our faith as Christians. That's, that's what we believe to be true. And so at the heart of it, though, just so we're clear this morning, just so we start off with some very, very solid biblical truths that I think we all need to remember, I think that I need to remember, I think that, that I need this in my life and be repeated to me and I need to hear constantly is you and I are sinners, we're sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And when it says we have all fallen, when Romans says we've all fallen short of the glory of God, we have all fallen. Not just the drug dealers, the pimps, and the prostitutes, but everyone, all of us have fallen short the glory of God. We don't measure up to the holiness that God requires. So what does that mean? If we don't measure up, it's not at our worst. Even it's not at our worst. It's not, we don't measure up because we're, because we don't, because we're bad. Even in our good, we don't measure up, right? Even at our best, we're still not righteous enough. So God in Christ Jesus made a way for us on the cross. Amen? He imputes his righteousness to us. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to us because our righteousness is inadequate. So, so you could check off all the things that a good moral person does. You can go ahead, get your list out, right? You list takers, you type A's, get that list out, start checking that stuff off, right? I am not a list maker, but I have one in my head. If I just do these things, I'll be righteous enough. If I just do these things, I can earn favor with God. But the Bible says that all of those things are still filthy rags. Right? Because we write a check to a mission organization. Right? 
Our hearts, where are our hearts at? Where are our hearts postured in those things? We're going to need a righteousness that goes well beyond our own, and we get that in Jesus. Amen? Come on, amen? Amen, all right. We need need help this morning. Let's start this thing over. Jesus gives us his perfection. He gives us his righteousness. Then on top of that, on the cross, he absorbs the wrath due us by God. The great exchange takes place. So here's the best part of all of that. Write this down. You ready? Get your pens out. You're going to write this down. You didn't do anything to get that. You didn't do a thing. Because biblically... It says we're hostile. We're enemies of God. Right? So God saved you. God rescued you. God opened up your heart. God revealed everything to you. You played no part in your salvation except glad submission. Now listen, I know some of you are going to disagree. And, and, and I remember getting out of my seat. Excuse me. Let me slide by you real quick. Go down front. I remember all that. That did happen. That really did take place. I don't want to rob you of that. I'm not, I'm not saying that that didn't happen for you. I'm not saying that you didn't, you didn't pray a prayer. I'm not saying any of that did not happen for you. But what I am saying is, is that biblically, God saved you in the seat before you ever got up to go down front and pray that prayer. God saved you. Right? God opened your heart. And stirred the affection to want to follow him. That's what I was feeling in my seat before I, before I got out, exited, and came down front that day. That's what I was feeling. Right? Justification and salvation for me and you occurred while sitting down. If you're a believer in here this morning, that's, that's what happened. If, if it's based on a prayer, if it's based on some type of some type of words that I have to speak, if it's based on, if my salvation is based on some kind of mantra that I have to produce, that's witchcraft. That's not Christianity. That's witchcraft because because God doesn't need me to say some special, you know, magic words for him to save me. He saved me long before I ever had the means or the the know-how to even pray a sinner's prayer or pray to him and ask for his forgiveness, right? And I know some of you are getting a little, little wiggly in your seat, but I'm telling you that's biblical, so the great news of the gospel of Jesus is that God saves, right? The, word, the name Jesus means God saves. That's what Jesus' name means. God, dis, God did this despite you and for you because you were hostile. You were an enemy of God. So not only do you have a judge, right, that, that imputed a not guilty sentence to you because of Jesus, he now sees you as blameless and spotless, but see, the, the thing is, when we hear this, this is the gospel, and when we, when we hear this, that's what I just spent doing. That's, that's just preaching the gospel to you. But we get that wrong. We think, we hear that sometimes and we think, well, that's just too easy. You mean I don't have to do anything? Surely I've got to do something. Nothing's for free. Y'all know our laundromat ministry that we had across the street at the family bubble. We gave $5 and quarters to everybody that came in there to do their laundry, Right? And we were handing those $5 and quarters out. That was, a, that was a bridge, right? That was a gift. That was a free gift we'd offer to them. And sometimes we'd have people accept it, but, but oftentimes we'd have people reject it. And that was, that was our way of preaching the gospel in a sense of, wait, you're rejecting a free gift? Why would you reject a free gift of, of, of $5 in laundry? It's free. 
No strings attached. I don't need you to dance. I don't need you to do anything for me. Here's five bucks. Right? And then we got to go into and bridge that into the free gift of grace and salvation that's offered to you. And so where we find ourselves and where I found myself and I was preparing this and what God opened up in my heart was we tend to get a lot of Jesus plus something. Right? We find ourselves in, well, it's got to be Jesus plus something. Because Jesus plus something, right, we get it wrong, equals everything. But that's not true. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He is it. So do we keep doing things or is it really already done? Ask yourself that. Do I need to keep doing things or is it already done? This series on Abraham that we've been going through in the past couple months is, is the faith through the eyes of Abraham. That's the, that's the, 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 the idea and the, the thought behind it is me and Luke prepped and, and began to really kind of kind of look at what we wanted to bring to you guys this summer. And the faith of the eyes of Abraham, the thing, that, the thing that gets me about Abraham and the thing that really just intrigues me is there was, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have this. He didn't, he didn't have, there was no Paul, right? He didn't have this. There's no Jesus, no church, right? There wasn't this. Right? There was no accountability groups. Amen for accountability groups. But there was, there was no accountability groups. There was no echoing in prayers. Right? None of, that, none of that heavy petting we like to do as Christians. Oh, man, it's just so good. There was no John Piper. There was no Matt Chandler. There was no Acts 29. There was no Legacy Church. There was none of that. So when, you, when we talk about faith and we look at a story of faith through the eyes of Abraham, this was a man that was relying solely on faith. All he had was God. He had God and his family. So let's turn to Genesis 17, uh, starting in verse 1, going through verse 14. And let's read, um, let's read there what God has for us today. Genesis 17, starting in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you. It may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, now stop right there. Remember, just last week we talked about another time that God appeared to Abraham and told him something, and he fell on his face. Remember what he did? He laughed, right? He laughed. This time we don't see laughter. We see him falling on his face and listening. He says, behold, in verse, he says, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Thank goodness, because I keep calling him Abram. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to God, to you, and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So huge declaration right here for Abraham. This is a big, big deal. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you 
throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be the sign of a covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people, and he has broken my covenant. Now, the reality is, is that this would take an enormous amount of faith for Abraham. You have to understand, this, would, this, is, this is a big, big deal for him. Now, circumcision in that time was being practiced, and, and so it wouldn't have been uncommon for him to maybe, maybe hear this. But at the same time, what we tend to start to believe, where my heart goes is, is, is in this text, is, well, Jesus plus circumcision equals something. Right, if, if we kind of read it through that lens, but if you if you go back and read, Abraham had faith before the covenant was ever established. God made blessed him before the, the the covenant of circumcision that he made with Abraham ever happened. The circumcision came after. But we read that story and we think, well, golly, they had to go through a ton. But the reality is, Jewish scholars believe that there was actually almost a thirty year period between the time when, when God spoke to Abraham and when he was circumcised. That's a 30-year span. So what does that mean? Does that mean in that 30-year span that they were not part of God's family? I mean, we today, Legacy Church, we don't have a baptism. We meet in a school. We have nowhere to baptize people. So if you were to come up to me today and say, Chris, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be baptized. How do I do that? I would say, okay, well, we need to wait till October that's when we can baptize you, unless you want to go out in the river and do it right now. But we as a church, we baptize twice a year. So when, in reality, does that mean that those that aren't baptized during that window aren't part of God's family? Does that, is that required, or did God save that person in their seat this morning, despite them, despite you, despite me? Did he save us right where we are at? So do we have to keep doing things, or is it already done? Paul answers this for us in Romans 4. If you want to turn over there, that's If not, you can uh, jump up on the screen real quick. But Romans 4, it's a great text. It goes, he speaks, Paul's speaking directly to um, the story of Abraham being justified by faith. In verse 4, starting in verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Verse 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Verse 9, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. 
How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Paul making this very, very clear for us. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the uncircumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. In verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. So faith, faith in your seat that God gives you to believe in him. So why, why? This is the question I have to ask myself. So why am I working so daggum hard to earn God's love? Why am I working so hard to earn his favor? Why am I doing, 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 and doing? Why am I doing that? It's because at the root of everybody in this room, I talked a little bit about this last week, we all feel guilt, fear, or shame. Those are the underlying emotions we all struggle with. One of those is true for you today, guilt, fear, and shame. One of those is true. For me, it's fear, right? So I'm afraid. So I'm constantly adding to something that's already been granted to me. I'm constantly trying to work to earn God's favor out of fear. Fear of being left behind, fear of not knowing, fear of you guys, fear of, of not performing well. Whatever that fear is for you, that's, that's where I'm at. So, so what doesn't work? Religion doesn't work. Jesus plus something equals nothing. Right? So you showing up here today thinking that this church will save you, it ain't going to happen. These plastic chairs, they're magical, but they're not that magical. Right? These chairs won't save you. Nothing about this church will save you. Jesus is the one that saves. Jesus and the great exchange that took place on the cross in your place and for you is what saves you. God moving on your heart, giving you the faith to believe is what saves you. Money, right? Money won't save you. Listen, if money works, can I have some? Because I don't have a ton of it. So if we're, if we're relying on money, if we need, if we think money gets us there, it doesn't. Listen, money is a good thing. Money, money helps us. Money supports ministries. Money buys food. I'm not, I'm not dogging on money. I'm not, I'm not, not, not smashing on money. I'm saying that if we think Jesus plus money equals something, we're getting it, we're getting it wrong. How about working? If you're ringing out every minute of every day to earn something, you're missing it. It doesn't earn you favor. Now, because you might be processing some guilt and fear and shame internally, working kind of, kind of helps to eliminate that pressure and that burden off of your heart because you don't feel, you don't feel shameful if you work hard or you're, you're working out of fear. I understand those things. That's what's driving that. But being nice, being nice to someone, being, being just a good person doesn't earn any more favor. Again, Jesus plus being nice doesn't equal everything. 
in this text, getting, getting, getting the circumcision, right? That last verse I read said, if you're not circumcised, you're not part of the family, right? Well, that's not going to save you. That's not what is going to save you. The great exchange, the thing that took place on the cross between Jesus and your sin is the only thing that saves you. Magic water. You can't, you can't get dunked enough, right? Us, we baptize people in a horse trough. Everybody clear on that? Or the Tennessee River. Okay, it's not magic water. I promise. Now, it's an outward expression by obedience. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be baptized and dunked. And, and, and amen to all of that. I, I totally, I'll baptize you right now. But what I'm saying is, is that there's nothing magical that happens in that water. The water's not holy water. The water doesn't do anything for you. Magic words, as I said before, we don't, we don't, we, we say things, it is, the Bible tells us to confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts. So yes, we are to confess that we are sinners and we are to confess that we believe in Jesus. We are supposed to do that, but, but saying those words doesn't earn you anything. Saying those words doesn't get you there. So what does work? Trusting in Jesus, right? Abraham is being asked to do something by God that's going to take a lot of time. This is going to be a very, very long process. And so he's being asked to trust. He's being asked to, to trust God with his life, with his family. He's being asked to be trust with God. Listen, we're all in this room suffering with something. And if we're, if we're not, it's coming for you. If you don't have something right now that's rattling around in your head, that's, that's plaguing you, that almost kept you from coming here this morning, or that might have kept most people from coming here this morning, if that, if, if, if that suffering that you have, that ailment, whatever it is, right? And those of you that are like, well, I'm good. Listen, it's coming for you. We all will suffer, and we, we have to trust that that, that time that, that God is asking us to trust through him, trust in him through our suffering, that's what's required. We have, to, we have to trust and believe in his gospel, his word, right? We, we, got, we got a leg up on Abraham. We have the Bible. We have Jesus. We have his Holy Spirit, right? And so we have to keep the faith. And when people say that, what, what, what kind of gets lost in that is, is that when we are faithless, when we lose our faith, God is faithful. So we're saying, Chris, I don't have any faith today. I don't, I don't, I don't have any faith. I can't, I can't muster up the faith or the courage to walk this out. I can't do that. Well, here's the good news is that God is faithful when we are not. Amen? Hey, I'm wrapping this up promise so you and I are sinners you and I are not holy outside of the covenant of God the new covenant through Jesus Christ and that's what he gave us through Jesus was a new covenant through the cross through Jesus in the circumcision of our heart is what he requires. Our, our, our flesh now, the circumcision of our flesh is our hearts. 
We're circumcised to believe, and we believe in Jesus. We, we, have, we put our faith in God. We trust in the Lord. When all of that happens, that's, that's what he desires. We have to believe that the cross was enough. We have to believe that Jesus was enough. If, if you're in here this morning and you're struggling to believe that Jesus is enough, if you're struggling to believe that Jesus plus, Jesus plus something equals everything to you, if you're struggling with that, and what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying there is understand that, that he doesn't require anything from you except your faith. He wants you to believe. And he will move in your hearts. You can ask him this morning if you don't believe in God. If, you, if you're struggling with that question, is he real? Is, what is faith? How do I trust? What do I do? What's the next step? He just said running up there to the aisle doesn't matter. Yes, I didn't say it didn't matter. I'm just saying that that's not what saves you. So yes, go back there this morning when we're taking communion in a little bit and ask somebody to pray with you. Ask somebody to listen to your story and hear you out and, and confess your sins and believe in Jesus and ask him to give you that, that just that, that, that faith that perseveres, the faith that, that has no borders, the trust that has no borders or no bounds. This morning, if you, if you leave here, one thing that I just want you to know is, is that you can stop working. You can stop wrestling to get it done. You can stop pushing, driving, fighting, to make it happen. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus is enough. In your suffering, Jesus is enough. In your sin and shame, guilt, fear, Jesus is enough. Amen? Go ahead and let's stand up real quick together and just... Uh, We saw, we saw um, Sarah last week in Genesis 16. We saw, we saw her waver under the pressure and the burden of, of, of children. We saw, we saw Abraham waver under the pressure of a, of a, of a disappointed wife in a, in a situation that he couldn't control. Right? We see, we've seen that happen multiple times through this, through this series with the faith of Abraham. Our faith wavering. Right, nothing, nothing I did, when I, when I left my family in 2008, counseling didn't save me. Was counseling good for me? Yes. Was counseling what God used in that moment to help me process and, 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 and ultimately reconcile my wife and me? Yes, but he was at the center of all of that. And when we didn't have faith, when, we would, when my wife would beg and plead for God to let her divorce me in the shower every morning, he would say no. It's faith, trusting for the long haul, trusting God. What it took was a circumcision of my heart, nothing else. When, I, when, that, when that happened, when that great exchange took place on the cross and God was thinking of me, right, and he knew what I would do, he knew my sin, he knew how I would leave my family, he knew the suffering and the struggle that I would, that I would put my family through. When he knew all of that, he made sure Jesus was enough, right? At our worst, at our best, Jesus is enough. Let's pray. God, I just, uh, I ask you, God, today that you would, God, that you would, you would break our hearts, God, for your word. God, you would break our hearts, God, for your son, Jesus. God, that, 
no matter, no matter, God, our, our shame, God, our guilt, our fears, no matter those things that we're wrestling with, no matter the, the heart trouble that we are experiencing right now or the, the physical pain that we're experiencing or the emotional struggle or the, the, the spiritual torment that's going on inside of us, no matter those things, God, you are sovereign. God, your son was enough. Your, your, the great exchange was enough. What, what took place on the cross for us, the wrath that was absorbed, the sin that was crushed, the death that was defeated, and Jesus' resurrection was enough. And so I just ask this morning, God, that we believe that. I ask that we are a people, God, that are, that are postured towards you. God, that want your heart, want, want your will to be done in our lives, God. And, we, and as we fight and we wrestle, God, and we don't want to submit to the hard things, God, that we would remember Abraham's faith. God, that we would remember that it's, all it takes is faith. And God, and when we struggle to believe and when our faith is questioned and our faith is tried, God, that you are faithful. You remain faithful no matter what. God, no matter that we are sinners, no matter that we're not holy enough, no matter that we're not righteous enough, God, that you, you have put us here for a time such as this, God, and that your son is walking with us, your spirit has empowered us. And so, God, for those this morning that don't believe in that, that don't believe in you, that haven't submitted their lives to you, God, that aren't giving um, things over to you, God, that are adding to your son and adding to your cross, God, and nailing things up on a cross next to Jesus and demanding that that thing, God, fill a hole in their heart. The, the people that are in here this morning that are struggling with that, God, I just, I ask for peace this morning. I ask that, that they would believe in you. God, that you would move on their hearts. God, you would move while they're in these seats, God, and that they, would, that they would run to you, that they would run to your son Jesus. They would sing today with an open heart, God, with a broken heart that, that's for you. God's spirit-filled, spirit-led worship would break out in this place, God, that we would know that you are real and you are alive and you are with us, God. And so I pray for those this morning that don't believe that, God, that, that, that are struggling and wrestling. God, I just pray that you would you would break into their lives, God. That you would, you would break into all of our lives, God. That you would make, God, that you would make disciples in this church. God, that you would, you would bless this city, that you would take this church to a place, God, that 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 pushes and stretches our faith to a limit, God, that we have never known. So, God, I just ask for that this morning. I ask that we are a people for you, God, because you are for us. God, and you are doing all of this for our good and your glory, God, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Welcome and congratulations, right? You were feeling the stretch marks of discipleship. It's a thin place. It's a very thin place. Some of you are in this room, 
Some of you were here and you were sinning, actively sinning, because you were actively choosing not to trust and to not obey. You put it aside in your mind every time it comes up. Every time that thing that you do or are not doing comes up, you change the topic and the conversation in your mind because you can't even, you can't even sit to think about it for very long. You make excuses and convoluted reasons why it's okay for you to do that thing or not do that, oh, that, that thing. You, you think that you're an exception, like you're unique. You've probably even found some Bible passages that maybe sound like if you can twist them around enough that they might even back up what you're doing or not doing. And even right now, you're probably trying to convince yourself, I'm not talking to you actively. Now listen, the only application for you today is to repent because you have seen not just an occupied tomb, but an empty tomb. And the same Holy Spirit that raised our hero from the dead and folded those clothes and set them there, right there, that same Holy Spirit is alive in you. You were not enslaved to sin. So when you take communion, you need to repent and beg the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to obey and to trust. Join Joseph Join Nicodemus. Be courageous, even if it's fearfully courageous. And then I feel like there's probably people in this room that they hear a sermon like this and they can't even conceive of a place in their life where trusting and obeying is even costly. I would again say to step your game up. Wake up. It's likely, statistically likely, that your neighbors back home, wherever you live, are far from Jesus. They're not just dying. They are spiritually dead. They will not hear the gospel unless somebody preaches to them. 85% of the city is in that place. Listen, man, missionaries are needed. Missionaries are needed. Churches have to be planted. I mean, hear me now. It's not an option. Church planting is not a bell or a whistle that is on some cooler churches. We have to plant churches. Right now, right now, we are not even planting enough churches to take care of the population growth of Knoxville. We can't even keep up with the rate of the city's growth. We have to plant. It's not an option. We have to plant churches. We've got to reach the campus. That is far from an option. That is the future direction of our entire culture. We have to do these things. We, 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 we have to give and give deeply to Syrian refugees. We have to pray for the homeless sleeping on Magnolia right now. We have to be active about our neighborhoods. We have to do these things. Disciples have to be made. That's not an option. The gospel must be preached. And these truths will cost us everything. So friend, if trusting God is easy for you, you are missing it. You must wake up. All of those things ought to be calling us into dangerous places where, yes, life will never be the same again. Never. Some of you maybe came here and today you find yourself very far from God. But your passions are being stirred. That feeling that you have of your passions being stirred, that's the dead person in you becoming alive, right? Now, if I wasn't a good theologian, I would tell you just to yield to it and to accept Jesus into your life. But listen, you don't have a choice. <laughs> what God wants, he gets. He's a hunter who never misses. 
And if he is quickening your heart right now to see your sin for the first time and to respond with joy and thanksgiving, it's going to happen. What I would say to you in this time is find somebody today. Find me today. I can't wait to meet you to maybe help you navigate through what we're talking about. Maybe it's kind, of, kind of help you understand a little bit of what's going on as this heart of stone is ripped out and a heart of flesh is put in its place. Go ahead and stand with me. I've got to land this. We can land in a place of celebration, though, because soon, in this passage, death will be mocked. No smell of death. $32,000 worth of myrrh. It's just going to smell good, but it's not going to extinguish the smell of death because there won't be any. It's wasted money almost, isn't it? In fact, the only thing that's going to be buried that day is death itself. And that's good for you, and that's good for me. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for being so sweet and so kind to us. Lord, even from the early days of my walk with you, you showing me how costly trust and obedience would be. Father, I know that there is not a single growth spurt in my Christian life did not call me out on the ledge, that did not put me way out there where I knew that nothing would be the same again. And I don't just have stretch marks, I have scars because it was costly. And Father, I still don't have some of those friends back. I definitely don't have any of that respect and honor. I don't have, there's so many things I don't have. Lord, that we would be a church that would be able to let go of this world and to grab another. That we would recognize the thin places and the ground that we, that we walk on and to know that heaven is scraping the pavement right now and I'm being called out of this slumber, this stuttering, weak, hesitant disobedience. God, you were so good to us. Because even when we fail in these things, your hug does not get looser. And even when we fail in these things, your grace does not get diluted or watered down. Which just shows how beautiful you are. Lord, we thank you for an empty tomb. And I thank you for the picture and the narrative and the commentary that that full tomb says to me. There really is a cost. And because you paid it, I am very free to pay it now. Let me go that I may die also. Lord, let that be an echo in our hearts. Fathers, we take communion. And as we worship and as we, we think and as we ponder, let repentance be in our heart for the places that we are slow to obey. Let there be repentance in our heart for, for not even seeing with good, clear eyes. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would even open up our eyes to see where we, where we are being called out, where people are dying all around us, where things are coming apart, where we could be active, where we could obey, where we could trust. You are so good and you are so sweet and we are so thankful. We worship you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. His work cleaned you. His life, death, and life brought you new life. You don't have to be a performance artist. I think the pilots in the room, 
something you carried in here with you, something maybe it's been coming up in your devotional times if you have them. Maybe just as you're driving around, you're reminded of something, something that you feel like is in your life that if you could just get rid of, you would be living a totally different life. But you can't decide to get rid of it. And you've started to build a narrative and coddle that thing. Whatever that sin is that you're depending on, you've started to coddle it, right? Building a, a storyline, a narrative with different facts that you have a palate for, that you can tolerate. Friends, listen, you need to beg the Holy Spirit today. Beg the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to change, to let God be king in your life. You cannot offload that. Ask Pilate how that worked for him. You cannot. And then I know that there are those who are religious. And I just have to say your works are a statement of unbelief. Whenever we work to impress God, that is not just an okay neutral thing. That is actually saying, God, your work for me was insufficient. I must add to it. It's a cry of unbelief. Friends, you too need the Holy Spirit. We, I can do that. We need the Holy Spirit to say, I work and I behave and I perform because I love Jesus and I can't get enough of Jesus. But not because it's going to get me anything that I don't already have. That has to be the cry of our heart. And that can't happen without the Holy Ghost either. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for being so good to us. I thank you for characters like Barabbas. I thank you for characters like Pilate. They don't get a lot of airtime. But when I do see them, I see myself so clearly. And I'm so thankful that you give us these moments of just kind of looking a little bit more deeply in a mirror. So, Father, I pray for the broken hearts that are in here, broken by whatever sin that they are in, broken by their best performance that's not cutting it. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be manifest in their life today. That you would come and that you would change our hearts. You would readdress our posture. So Lord, that courage that we need to follow you, real truth, no alternatives, no propaganda. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would bring us courage to lay down our works and our spit and our polish in order to impress you, but that we would relax and rest and enjoy you with a life one. That yeah, we would behave and we would perform, but it wouldn't get us any more love. We're just doing it because we've experienced your love so beautifully. And when we fail, you love us no less. You're so sweet to us. And we're so thankful. So Lord, as we take communion in families and in small groups while the music's going, and as we worship and as we see the words and as we sing, Lord, that you would wrestle with us and bring the truth to us. It is not slippery, but yes, it can be abrasive. And help us tackle it. Help us apply it to our lives. So Lord, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And listen, before we start, if you need someone to talk to, I'll be over here on the side. We have leaders in the, in the back corner over there. David is over there. If you'd love to talk to somebody and you need to talk to somebody, feel free to come and talk to us. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you.
Hey, uh, just a couple quick announcements. Is Kevin in here? Kevin Gentry? Where's Kevin? Oh, come on up, Kevin. Sorry, I didn't even see Kevin there standing there. Kevin's going to introduce us to, to something he wants to, wants to share with us this morning, so I'm going to let him do after. Okay? All right. Um, I'm Kevin, um, if, you, if you don't know me, um, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you for just a few minutes about something uh, that's kind of new. Um, and, and coming off of this sermon that was uh, beautifully uh, just opening the word to us by uh, Luke, man, that, that's really going to help me with this. Um, that was a helpful sermon. That was really a blessing uh, to me, and I, I'm sure it was to all of us. But um, our mission as a church uh, to the city is to lead people to enjoy Jesus, to lead people to enjoy his gospel, and to do that in community. And so, now we, we've got a lot of, uh, of neat things happening in our church that we're growing in that. I'll just say that. We've got leaders on campus through Campus Outreach. Uh, we've got uh, communities, and you've seen uh, several of them coming up in the past few weeks talking about the innovative and creative ways that they are going on mission to the city, just taking the good news of Jesus with uh, the word on their lips and with their lives. And so what I wanted to talk to you this morning is just a new, uh, I think, exciting way. You may think it's exciting. You may not. But uh, of taking the good news of Jesus to the city. And it's through the avenue of visual art. Now, you might be an artist sitting in here, or you might know someone, because you may not be. Uh, and I don't, when I say artist, I don't want you to picture just the, um, you know, the, the typical guy with the little curly mustache, you know, and, the, and, the, and the, the beret that's like off to the side, you know, and he's holding the, or maybe you're picturing Bob Ross, I don't know, but, and they're just painting away, and he's awesome too, by the way, I, I'm not a hater, but, well, was awesome, but anyway, they, they're painting away, okay, that's great. But there are a lot of different kinds of visual art, especially in this day and age. You may be a photographer. You may be a, uh, a videographer. You may paint. You may use ceramics. You may, I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's a, it's a really broad thing. So just have that in mind when I'm talking to you. What we want to do, we've had a couple, we've tried this, and we've had a little bit, a couple of false starts. But, you know, I'll be honest with you. We really can't get this out of our soul. I can't get it out of my soul. One of the beautiful things that Jesus has done when he saved us is he's redeemed our work and made it worth something. He did that, regardless of what your work is. I don't care what it is. It may have nothing to do with art. He's done that. And so as we're living together in community with each other and the world is watching, our work should be different. It should be for, it's motivated differently, and it looks different. It's, it has a different purpose. And that's no less true for the artist, which is work, than any other kind of work. So if you are that person, you're out there, and you're, you, you're an artist, maybe you think it doesn't matter uh, in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you do think it's ma it matters, but you don't know how to connect with community and do it with other people. Then I'm inviting you. 
and I'm going to be out front in the foyer, and I'd like you to talk to me. What we're going to do is build a community of artists, and we're doing it already. Okay, I've already got my daughter, by the way, and Salem Clog is with us, and, and there's some others who've, who've expressed interest. But what we want to do is build a community of artists who work with the understanding that you become better at your work when you do it together than when you do it alone. You, you just do. And when you serve, when we serve the city together, they get a clearer picture of God's family being God's family through, through the avenue of work, and in this case, art, than they do when you're alone. They just do. Luke did a beautiful job of showing that to us from the Word of God this morning. And so... I think this is exciting. This may be exciting to you. If it is, I want you to talk to me, and I can give you a lot more details. Um, I can give you more information about that. So uh, thank you for listening. I just wanted to share that, that with you. Appreciate it, Kevin. Um, yeah, so talk to Kevin. You're going to be in the foyer, correct, Kevin? Okay, he'll be out there. Um, <clears throat> if you guys are interested in the next connection point uh, for Legacy Church, that's our comm groups, Communities on Mission. Luke just did, as Kevin said, a beautiful job of explaining how we do community and life here at Legacy. So if you'd like some more information on that, Nick and Emily are going to be at the map in the foyer, the big gray map that has all of our comm groups on it. They'd love to meet you, answer any questions you might have about your next connection. Um, if it is your first, second, or third time maybe uh, visiting, if you could fill out a connection card and we're going to get in contact with you. I know that I've got, I've got four numbers I need to dial this week, so if you're one of those numbers, I apologize for not getting back to you. Um, quickly, So I will be calling you this week. And if you haven't filled one of those out, I'd love for you to fill one of those out. And I'd love to meet you and talk to you. Um, the next thing, real quick, something we're going to do as a church this year um, is we are, we are partnering with a local nonprofit called Feeding the Orphans. Does anybody in here know about Feeding the Orphans, heard of Feeding the Orphans? Okay. Yeah. So um, we are going to partner with those guys in the sense of they do a campaign every year called Feeding the Frock. Has anybody heard of Feeding or Forget the Frock, not Feeding the Frock? Forget the frock. Has anybody heard about this? Okay, this is a, Roger's actually wearing a t-shirt. I just noticed that, man. Forget the frock right there. So this campaign is an Easter campaign, and I'll just give you a brief overview of what it is. We've shared the information on our Facebook page. You can go watch a video about these guys, um, what they do. And one of their, one of their arms is they, they, they do this t-shirt um, fundraiser where um, it's kind of cool. They're, 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 um, they're partnered with a t-shirt manufacturer in Haiti that these guys are orphans that have aged out of the system, and their job is to make these t-shirts, and then we turn around, Feeding the Orphans turns around and sells those t-shirts, and the proceeds go to Feeding Orphans in Africa, and so the idea is, instead of going out and spending your cash on some cool dresses and new new kicks and things like that, it's to buy one of these t-shirts and, and rock that on Easter, so that's what we're going to be doing this year, hopefully as a church. Um, I know my family's ordered ours, um, a couple other families, Roger's actually wearing one right now. So he's already ordered his. So there's a few of us that have already done this. So you go on our website, watch the video. Um, I'm sorry, go on our Facebook page, watch the video. It'll show you how to buy those things, get those here. Easter is April 16th, I believe. Is that correct? Okay, so I know there's a deadline on order. So go ahead and get that place. It goes to a great cause, and we'd love to support this local ministry. You can check them out, uh, Feeding the Orphans. They are right here locally in Knoxville. So go watch that video. Let's pray, and we will get out of here. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word gift that you've given Luke to communicate that word clearly. God, to us this morning, working through him and his words, God, we are thankful for that. God, we are thankful for um, people you've placed around us 
kneecap to kneecap and close proximity, God, I ask that you would be with those relationships this week as we, as we uh, go about our lives throughout the week, meeting with people, um, having tough conversations, God, getting in each other's lives. Um, we are thankful for the opportunity and the ability to do that. God, I pray for each and every person in here today that they would know you, um, God, on a, on a different level after leaving here today. This text would make them see you, your son, your spirit, God, um, in such a more clear understanding, God, than they've known before. So, God, I ask for your spirit to come and empower us, God, as we, as we go out on mission this week, as we do, do life in community groups, as we do life in DNA groups, God, as we do life in our normal, everyday rhythms. I just pray, God, that you would be with us. God, just uh, come, rescue us, be with us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week.